Heavenly Father, we pray that you would speak into our hearts and minds this morning and uh, help us always to be watchful and prepared for your coming in whatever form that might take in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Today we begin our Advent sermon series following Tom Wright's book, Advent for Everyone. The book is a journey through selected passages of Matthew and there are 28 daily readings uh, to help us go through the subtleties and the meaning of Advent. Uh, And each of the four weeks has a specific focus. So the first week is a time to watch, followed by a time to repent a time to heal, and a time to love. And today we're focusing on the first of those, a time to watch. We received our first Christmas card yesterday. (laughs) Has anybody else received one yet? Look at this, amazing. Um, It was from our niece, and uh, she uh, is uh, apparently moving house on the 10th of December, and a new address was in there as well. So she's obviously very well prepared for not only the chaos of Christmas, (laughs) but the chaos of moving house. And uh, I, on the other hand, after quite a stressful week, woke up this morning, looked at my emails and thought, I'm doing the sermon tomorrow at church. (laughs) And I had, for whatever reason, forgotten all about it. I was totally unprepared. I was completely the opposite to my niece. And there are those two types of people, aren't there? Those who organize and prepare months ahead and those who live in the moment. And I'm sure there are stresses and pressures in both. Uh, But speaking from experience, the latter can be exciting and spontaneous but it can also be stressful when you're trying to manage to do everything just in time. It's not usually as bad, though, as forgetting that uh, I was preaching the following day, uh, and that must have been a diary malfunction. But God is good, and I realized in time. But it seems to me that those who live well-planned lives, who have thought about Uh, their commitments and planned well in advance have a distinct advantage as Christians as we enter Advent. Um, I might even be a touch envious if it it wasn't forbidden. But uh, (laughs) it's possible, it's probable actually, that uh, those who are well organized have already purchased their Christmas presents and perhaps wrapped some. Uh, They've probably already purchased their Christmas cards and written them. And they've probably worked out exactly what meals they're going to have over the Christmas period and have bought half the food in. Uh, But it's none of that. It's not that they've done any of those things. Their distinct advantage is that they are aligned with one of the key messages of Advent, which is to be prepared. And that's the subject of our sermon today, one which I've already revealed Uh, I'm not that well equipped to talk about based on my experience, but I'll give it a go. And as I'm sure many of us know, Advent means coming or arrival. It's the start of the new church year when we traditionally focus on preparation, reflection and repentance as we look forward to Jesus' birthday 
and Christmas. Whoever we are, whatever our nature, we are encouraged to treat Advent as a time to watch and prepare for Jesus' coming, whatever form that might take in the year ahead. Our Gospel passage, though, appears to be a bleak warning, actually. And Jesus appears to be preparing for something preparing us for something bad, not something good. Jesus relates the coming of the Son of Man to the time of Noah and says, For in those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. And that's how it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. And this doesn't sound too encouraging in the run-up to Christmas, does it? And our reading is taken from Jesus' discourse where he prophesies concerning the destruction of the great temple of Jerusalem and the signs of the end times. And it's in that period between Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem and his trial and crucifixion. And Jesus is informing his disciples of what is to come so that they will be aware of the challenges that lie ahead of them. And encouraging them to stand firm in their faith and all that he has taught them. In the passage, Jesus tells that no one will know the date the Son of Man will come except the Father. But as with the people who lost their lives in the flood, so there will be those who lose their lives at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two, two women will be grinding with handmill. One will be taken, the other will be left, Jesus told them. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. And as Christians, there are various ways we can look at that passage and interpret it. Firstly, we can read it as a warning to be ready about the second coming of Jesus, because God will take some and not others. Secondly, we can read it as a warning to be ready for the time of our own death because we don't want to be left behind. And both are appropriate. But this was probably intended by Jesus as a very real warning to the disciples about what would happen to Israel and Jerusalem within a generation. And with the benefit of hindsight, we know that those prophecies came to pass around 70 AD when the Romans attacked and destroyed Jerusalem and the temple, the heart of the Jewish faith, was torn down. As Jesus predicted, lives will have been lost. They would have, been, they would have gone up on as normal up to that point. But when it happened, people were divided. Some people survived and others didn't. Jesus was warning the disciples to be on their watch, alert to the signs of the world around them, interpreting those signs through his teaching. And that was true for the disciples then, and it's true for us today. We need to be watchful. We need to be knowledgeable of Jesus' teaching and interpret events on whatever scale, global or personal, through his words. Jesus had to make the disciples aware that life wasn't going to be easy, despite all the miracles they'd seen, all the teaching they'd received. And even though they'd got first-hand experience of living and walking with God, Jesus had to prepare them for what life was going to be like and the challenges that lay ahead. 
and the earth-shattering things that would happen in the future. It wasn't all going to be Christmassy with tinsel, gifts, games and feasts. There would be times when they would face anguish. And they would even witness Jesus experiencing anguish in his own life. And just a few days later, when in the Garden of Gethsemane, he would fall to the floor and agonize over his own death and the sacrifice he knew he must make. In his first prayer, he asked the Father, let this cup pass from me. Before then, he prayed, may your will be done. And the story of Gethsemane illustrates that we need to be prepared. Jesus faced his own anguish, but he was prepared. He had prepared all his life for this. He had been totally immersed in his relationship with the Father so that he knew his purpose and what was required. He had taught and prepared his disciples to continue his work. He had prepared the Holy Spirit to come after them. And despite his anguish, he, had, he was prepared finally to do what he must do to save humankind, to act in accordance with the Father's will. And we have that opportunity to prepare ourselves, to understand his will, to continue his work, to face life's anguish, and to follow his example through our faith and love in Jesus. And we have the opportunity to help others by sharing our faith, being with them and praying with them whilst we wait for Jesus' plan to unfold. So we have to watch, we have to be prepared, and we have to be patient. But patience and waiting are not easy for us, are they? We find it difficult to watch and wait. Why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't he come now, we might ask? Earlier in chapter 24, as the disciples walked past the temple and Jesus told them of its impending destruction, understanding the magnitude of such an event and that this might be linked to Jesus becoming king, the disciples asked, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? When? When will it happen and how will we know? The disciples wanted certainty. I dare say they were impatient, hoping that it would all be achieved very quickly in a way they envisaged. If the temple had to be destroyed for Jesus to be enthroned as king, as king and lord of all the earth, then bring it on. But Jesus knew this was just the start. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains, he said. You see, this was going to be a very long process. The destruction of the temple was just the beginning of birth pains. Jesus went on to tell them that this would be followed by persecution and hatred and that many will turn away from their faith. There will be false prophets and deceivers who will mislead many to interpret events in another way and to turn away. So it was going to be a long, tough, drawn-out process. And we're still living in those times of birth pains before Jesus comes again to heal our broken world. 
But in our lives, we tend to be less interested in God's timetable uh, and more in our own. And we expect God to conform to it. We want God to act on special occasions, to do our bidding. And then, when it's not convenient for us, for him to back off and certainly not intervene when we might be on the receiving end of his intervention. We might be tempted to take things into our own hands rather than wait for God's perfect plan to unfold. But Jesus teaches his disciples here to be patient. It will happen in God's time, not theirs, not ours. But in the next two months, the disciples would see Jesus put to death, rise from the dead, ascend to heaven, and they would receive the Holy Spirit. They would know soon how much they could trust God to work in his own time. And they spread the Gospels to the end of the earth because of it. And we live with that certainty too. Post-Calvary, whilst we wait for Jesus' return, we know that we can trust God because in Jesus, he's already intervened on our behalf to put the world to right. And as, and as Jesus predicted, the temple was destroyed and the gospel has been spread to the ends of the earth. What Jesus prophesied has become reality. And with that certainty, we can trust him and his timing in everything. If only we would be patient and remember it and live our lives by that principle. And Jesus told his disciples, don't be deceived or distracted. False messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive. Others might interpret the destruction of the temple when it happens differently. But in fact, it's the birth pains of the coming of the Son of Man. And throughout this age, false saviors and prophets will deceive and distract people from Jesus too. However, Jesus held out hope to the disciples and all the people of history when he went on and told them, the one who stands firm to the end will be saved and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. People did stand firm through the persecution of the early church. It grew miraculously from this small band of preachers of disciples there were 120 when Jesus ascended we read in the book of Acts and now there are millions and millions throughout the ages people did stand firm through the persecution of the early, early church and people stand firm through persecution and hatred today people stand firm in this broken world where there's pain and suffering people of faith understand these things must happen but God is working his purpose out. And one day, the world will be restored. And until then, we are to take heart with the shoots of the new kingdom that we recognize as a precursor to Jesus' coming again in glory. And we're reminded by Jesus of the parable of the wicked servant who got drunk while his master was away and mistreated the other servants not to let things slide because physically he's been away a long time. 
we are to remain faithful and vigilant in an unpredictable world. Because Jesus may show up at any time. It might be where there's an opportunity to help a stranger. It might be when there's a chance to share our faith. It might even be when Jesus returns to take us home. We never know when we will meet him. But of course we will fail. Of course there will be times when we fall asleep on the job. We won't get everything right. But when we take wrong steps, we have to put those right. And we will always be forgiven. And whatever our character, whether we plan ahead or live in the moment, what matters is that we're watchful, that we are prepared, that we are patient, that we don't get distracted or deceived, and we don't give up hope or slacken off. We should stay focused on the goal, which is to continue to share the gospel and the vision of a healed world until Jesus returns and reconciles everything to himself and the Father, and we can spend the rest of eternity with him in peace. What a gift that will be. Amen.